This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, creatures of all sizes, shapes, and colors, welcome to episode 72 of Tales with TR. Hmm. And I'm your host, Terry Ryan. It's good to be with you guys this week. Some great feedback last week, getting more consistent. Carlo Koliakovo, thanks again. We got Craig Rive up this week. A couple guys with long careers in the NHL. That uh, have the gift of gab, so to speak. And have been fairly successful off the uh, off the ice. But um, the first thing I'm going to say this week before we welcome my old buddy Craig Rive played my first game with Craig in Fredericton. I was called up from junior way back. It's 18. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the first thing I'm going to say is, well, I'll explain. There's a thing called memo. If you're listening to this from another country, you don't know what it is. Well, I mean, you can be from Canada and don't, don't know what it is. It's kind of like Cameo. That's probably the most popular version I can think where, I don't know, the Cameo version, celebrities, so to speak, will give you a video. You might want a happy birthday. You might want to rip your friends, carve your buddies. You might want to get pumped up on the way to a tournament. So anyway, I, I believe Memo originated in Sweden. It's popular in Sweden and Canada. And in those countries... 
hockey's a subject, you know, very popular. So after I did my second book about a year ago, I guess, after I, I published it, we, we got published it, Flanker Press, flankerpress.com, if you'd like one, check it out. They're selling pretty well. Um, anyway, if some people were asking me to do these videos, and I was like, why are they? So like I did three in a row. And then I realized it was a thing. So it must have been becoming popular. And certain people, again, not that I'm any celebrity, not even remotely close, but I fell under the category of, you know, NHLers do it. And there's enough Habs fans out there. And at this point, Spit and Chicklets fans, fans of my podcast, fans of my book, it's a small little group, but it's there. I hate saying it because I felt pretentious going on there in the first place. Okay. So anyway, when I went on there, I got a little bit of action because, A, I was I just priced myself the cheapest. I'm looking at these guys like if Brian Trache is $150, if Ron McLean is 80, then I'm five. You know what I mean? But I didn't want to do it for five bucks. So I put myself at like 25 bucks. But I was, you know, a few people were calling for them. And I, I, I would feel bad, too, if it was one of my buddies. Because I'm like, I don't want to charge you. But there is, if you want me to do like a real happy birthday or a re if you really want me to pump you up to go on a tournament or whatever it might be. I mean, if you're not sure what is still what I'm talking about, go to my memo page or just go to my Instagram page. I post some of them. Um, You know, I, I don't think you'd have to go back too far. But anyway, but it does take. You know, you you got to you you want to do a good job, and there's no communication though. What I don't understand, if you're listening to you to to this uh, memo, people wherever you are, um, there's I'd, I'd rather some communication. So someone will say, "Hey Terry, this is what I want." Uh, I don't know. My boyfriend is turning 25. Uh, my team is going to the nationals. Uh, my buddies getting married for the second time, whatever it might be. Right. And then they'll give me some information. This is where this is the place. This is the setting. This is the context. This we want what we want. So, you know, I usually just pick something, you know, whatever details I'll, I'll pick something and really try to either have something common, rip it a little bit, make it a subject to make something remotely funny or, amusing, whatever they might want. Usually you can get a good read from the people that make the request. But again, there's no communication. So they make the request, at least not that I can see. Maybe there's a tab on there. I, I don't see it. I've, I've searched for like, you know, so once they give me the information, it's not like I can say, hey, oh, but by the way, you didn't tell me where you were from. That would add, right? Um, or some people might say birthday, but they forget to say the age. And that's a huge thing because A, it could be a kid. <laughs> and, you know, well, it could be anybody. It could be five to a hundred. So, you know, the more details, the better. But anyway, to this point, I've done, I guess, an okay job because I think the feedback is usually pretty good. This isn't a big um, plug either for that because, to be honest, I'll tell you now, it is a, it can, it can, uh, I want to do a good job. So anyway, I'll get there. Um, 
So that's the other thing. So like I went from 30 bucks and then I was like, you know, cause I want to sit down. It takes the better part of an hour, I guess, you know, to, to actually write up something decent and then to, you know, you hope you get it on one take, but you know, you want to do a good job. You could just do it on one take and stutter or whatever, or read it, but I try to memorize it. Right. And you'll see me, I have shades on a lot because, um, if, if I have to, I'll put it, I'll put a cheat sheet behind, like about jot notes, like, you know, this, the, uh, this, the, so I'm, I memorized it, but I don't want to miss the subject of a paragraph or something. So I wear shades because I'm looking at usually tips or pointers on, on the back, little highlights, if you will. So anyway, I put it up to 50 bucks because I was like, you know, I want to do a decent job. I'm busy the next, and you can kind of change that kind of, you can change your set price. So if I'm busy for a couple of weeks, I'll put it up to 50 or 60 or even 70 bucks. I'm figuring, you know, if someone wants it bad enough, then I'm getting paid because it's going to be real busy, especially like when I was on the, I was, it was running for council, which was unsuccessful, by the way. Oh, I got, I got hammered, but, but anyway, I got a couple thousand votes, but I, I wasn't even close and I'll get into that another time. I don't have time right now, but, uh, and I don't because I got called in to, uh, to work. And uh, so I got Rivy for less than an hour and he's coming up in 13 minutes. But anyway, um, so I was real busy during the campaign and we got this show coming up. I got to read the scripts and, you know, I've got a lot of lines in there on top of the other work I'm doing. So, and, and, you know, raising my daughter. So I, I was real busy. When that happens, I jack it the price up. So I won't normally see much action. But anyway, someone in, someone asked me. And so the only request that came through, it says, then usually it says who it's from. So it'll say from like Mark somebody. So if I have to, it's, and I have tracked them down on like Instagram and gone, hey, do good thing because you didn't tell me so-and-so. But on this particular request, it was the RFHL. I hope you guys are listening. So the request came through and it said from Terry Ryan and it couldn't have been. So they must have filled out who it was to accidentally, unless your name is Terry Ryan, in, in, in which case apologies, but you didn't make that clear in the note. So anyway, it just says Terry Ryan. And then it says, hi, I'm part of the RFHL and we're celebrating our seventh season. But then the rest of it, he just said, you know, we love your stories. Keep up the good work. Can't wait to hear from you. Do something funny. So there's no details because you only get like 250 characters. So they wasted it all on just filler. And I love you guys or girls or whoever you are, but I had nothing to go by. So. And I was like, what am I going to do? I couldn't get a hold of these people. I was like, at least give me a, a gender. Uh, are you a frat house? Are you, I guess, seven years? So probably not, um, you know, what group are you a rec hockey group? Are you, do you guys or girls play other sports? What area are you in? What, what continent are you on? Right. I've done a few of these in Australia. This podcast makes its way to weird places. Anyway, I got a little pocket in Australia that listen. Hello. Hello. Um, anyway. So I don't, I don't know anything. I, I don't know how old they are. I, I don't even know where they heard the stories. It didn't say like we heard you on so-and-so. I'm, I'm assuming maybe spitting chicklets. Maybe they listen to this on the off chance. They listen. Boy. Okay. So, and and, and, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, first of all, but what I did, 
I just went through and I, I laughed. I made now they paid like 60 bucks for this. Right. So afterwards I thought about it, but I had no way to contact them. So I waited till the last minute. I still didn't get and my over my messages on social media are overrun with a lot of its nonsense, but it's hard to filter through. So I went through each one, took me a couple hours and went through all the ones I missed everything for the last week. And not nothing. And I, I, I said so, I had no name to look up, so I waited till the witching hour. I waited one week till there was no time left and these guys wanted it or girls. So I just made a, a riff on that. I went, hey, well, this one goes out to the RFHL who are in their seventh season. And that's it. That's all I know. No name, no gender, no area. There's absolutely nothing. RFHL, what does it stand for? The really fucked hockey league? What is, the, you know, I went on like that. Right. So I just made a joke of that over like three or four minutes or I guess two minutes, two minutes. And, you know, I tried to make it positive and funny, but I don't think it would really pump up your league and your, you guys are, or girls are all getting ready. I can say guys generally. If I saw a bunch of girls and say, hey, guys, what's up? I think guys is both. But anyway, anyway. I drift off topic. Um, yeah, so anyway, anyway. I really apologize because I went through and I did that. And uh, my daughter and I were sitting there, actually, because I, I, I looked at her. And I'm like, what angle am I going to do with this? And she's like, well, that's all you got to go by. Well, that's all you got to go by. Do that. And so that's what I did. Anyway, I don't think it was worth it. I don't. And no offense, but I, I hate, you know, a lot of people just think, you know, they listen to the show or their friends or something. And I feel bad because, but I, I charge for that. I hate doing it. Fuck, I hate it because I feel like charging for an autograph. Never, I'd never do that. But these take time. If you just want me to say, hey, man, happy birthday. That's one thing. But people see it on memo and they I don't know what they think. Like and my buddies think that it's just, hey, I need to send, send so-and-so a happy birthday. I'm like, okay. And, you know, I don't know you very well. And then, you know, it takes an hour. So fuck it. I charge. That's it. It's usually reasonable, like 40 bucks, I think. And, you know, I get like 20 something of that. And I feel for an hour work. It's worth 20 odd bit, whatever you can all chip in. It's, it's a group. You can chip in a dollar each, whatever it is. But uh, God, I hate, I, I try to justify it. Cause I, I hate it. I hate charging people for that kind of thing. But at this point, you know, it does, like I said, it, it takes time and effort. So whatever it's that kind of world we live in. I'll never get used to it. Um, but anyway, that's that RFHL, uh, shoot me some more info. If you, if I know where you are, I'm going to Toronto, which is pretty central in North America next month. I'll be in Ontario for a couple of months. If you're anywhere near me, just let me know. We'll go out for a beer, whatever. Uh, cause I feel bad. I feel like I, I ripped you off a little bit. Uh, I hope you laughed. Not that I don't think it was amusing. My daughter laughed. She wrote half it. <laughs> but um, yeah, anyway, I think uh, I think you deserve better. Craig Rive coming right up. Rivy played hockey with him in Fredericton uh, for the first time. And then Montreal uh, when we were, we were rookies and Craig went on to 
wear the C, although he wasn't technically the captain of the Habs. It was Koivu that particular year, but uh, Koivu missed some games. We'll get into that. And Craig wore the captain for the Montreal Canadiens, which uh, knowing his beginnings and knowing him at the start. I didn't play junior or anything. He's a few years older than me, but I came in right as he was making it and leaving Fredericton. I was kind of coming in as he left. Fredericton was the farm team, of course, for Montreal back in the day. And anyway, I, got, I, I could go into something, but I got some stories about that that I'm going to bring up with him. Anyway, that's how I know Craig. He's a uh, good guy. Got into some broadcasting after that. As far as I know, lives in Buffalo from North Bay. And if I've known one person that ever just loved the game and did whatever he could and maximized his, his potential was Craig Rivet. Worked hard. Good cat. And I uh, like to have a few beers and uh, good memories with that guy. Anyway, without further ado, Craig Rivet coming right up. Folks, hockey is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any hockey game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any hockey game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ladies and gentlemen, my next guest played over 900 games in the National Hockey League after a solid three-year junior career, all spent with Kingston. Frontenacs of the OHL, his pro career lasted nearly two decades, most of that spent in La Belle Province with the legendary Montreal Canadiens. A consummate pro, this born leader wore a letter most of his career, which also included stops in San Jose, Buffalo, and Columbus. He is a courageous captain, a tantalizing teammate, a damn good D-man, a rollicking rear guard, a nifty northerner, a proud player. The kid could play, and he's from North Bay. He pays his tabs, and he paid for the Habs. He played for the Habs. He played with Linger way back on the Kingster, Kingston Frontenacs. They say he's a good neighbor and he played with the Sabres. My dog likes to bark. He also played for the Sharks. He knows Saku and played in Finland, too. He had things to teach when we met in Freddy Beach. He wore 52 and we had a few brew. We'd travel light and do crosswords on flights. He was a real good boy and played cards with Conroy. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. Folks, my next guest is Craig Rivet. How are you, Craigy? Oh, my. How long did it take you to write that? Uh, well, I'm used to it. It takes me inside of 10 minutes, to be honest. There you I, go. Uh, That's because you're a legend. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, remember, CR. Do you remember that? We used to do crosswords on flights. Uh, I do. That was the only way of stimulating our brain back in the day yeah. is, uh, is to try and uh, is to try and do something uh, constructive instead of playing poker or, or whatever we used to play on the, on all our flights and all our our uh, bus trips and stuff like that. You had to try and stimulate the brain. So you know, <laughs> I get those really 
super easy crosswords, the ones that are like anybody can do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, made myself feel better. We, we would. It was that or uh, what was the I think the game was Schnarples. I didn't know any of this right in junior. We didn't play it much. We played other games. We played cards uh, like crazy eights and stuff. And then when I got to Fredericton again, I'll get into that after. But I got called up at 18 right for the playoffs. And you and yeah. Conroy and the boys were just head and feet into Schnarples at the back there, like just just games going on for like six and seven hours that introduced me to the real card games. Exactly. I mean, like, what are you supposed to do? We're in, we're in Fredericton, New Brunswick. We're in <laughs> Freddie beach and we're and our, and our, you know, in our division alone, you know, PEI, um, who, who else? We, uh, um, God, I can't remember who was in our division, but every, John Flames. yeah, every, every trip was like, you know, six, Cape Breton, seven, eight hours. Cape Breton right. at first. Yep. And then like Wooster so, and Lowell came in and it was all New England. Yeah, you were you were busing everywhere. We were we were we spent we spent countless hours on that bus and we just, you know, we tried to keep ourselves uh from not going crazy being confined in a bus for uh, 12 hours. So we would play cards all the time and I remember this though coming from the west and I don't know if you were a big card player when you're in junior junior but um a lot of the saying is if you came from out West in the WHL, you played hearts. Yeah. Yeah, you did. And if, if you came from the OHL, you played Euchre yeah. and you came from the Quebec major junior league. No one cared because they didn't get invited to the back anyway. <laughs> that was a saying. <laughs> and then it became, I don't know at what point this game Schnarples became a thing, but. Yeah, yeah, it, it yeah. might have been. We not that we didn't junior book. We had long road trips. Prince George were in our division. That was sixteen hours away, right? Yeah, that, Brandon that's was insane. thirty. We'd go to Brandon once a year and then go back. But um, it was so. It, I, I, if you can believe it, yeah. Coming from the west, the AHL kind of fit. Not that I ever liked the bus trips, but we were a little more prepared. Um, then I guess I guess playing in Kingston because most of your road trips would be close. Our closest was Spokane, two hours, and then it became three, four, and then six. Right, so yeah. it was a, it was a different. And by the way, by the way, getting back to that, getting back to that, because I, I don't want to leave Junior before I even start with Kingston. How did how did you get there? You're from North Bay, and yep. I don't. Most people I know about before, like, were you a a, a star in minor hockey that went like? first round in the OHL draft or did you work your way there? I think I remember you telling me a little bit, you, you went to junior a year or two early. Uh, no, uh, I would say the exact opposite. Um, when I, when I was, uh, I did not go in my underage year. Okay. That's number one. Uh, I was just too small. I mean, I was, uh, I was six feet tall, you know, pretty, pretty big kid, but I was 160 pounds soaking wet with, you know, all the wet towels on me. I just wasn't big enough. I wasn't physically developed. And uh, so I got passed over in the underage draft year, which is usually where the big boys go. Um, the next year, I ended up playing junior B down in Barrie for the Barrie Colts. It's now a, it's now a junior hockey team in the yeah. OHL. Yeah. But back in the day, I played for their junior B team. Um, was rated in the first round for all, all three um you know, central scouting things. And I ended up going 19th that year. I was the third pick 
in the second round. Okay. And, uh, you know, I went to Kingston. Chris Gratton was our first. Uh, he was third overall draft pick. He was a he was a monster, monster of a kid. Um, and yeah, you know, I just I walked into a team in Kingston that had been ten years consecutively in last place or one of the last place teams in the league. Yeah. So my first year in the league in Kingston, I think we had only won ten games out of sixty six that year. But the wow. next year. The next year we took off, we took off as a team, you know, Chris Gratton, myself, Kelly Corpse, uh, you know, Mark Lamont, uh, who is a goaltender. We started to build a, a really good team uh, at that time. So it was fun. Speaking of, yeah, I remember, man, my first camp in Montreal, that guy Corpse, Kelly Corpse, he like, I couldn't believe how good he was and I'd never heard of him. And then I looked at his junior stats yeah, at the insane. time and they were, yeah, I mean, at, I think he had one year, it was almost like two points a game. And then yeah, he, he's, he I, was I, insane. He really was a great player. Um, I mean, but I'm not. I'm, I'm sure he probably. I mean, I know he played a few more years pro. Um, and, and maybe I, I can't remember if he. Well, you know what? He never. He this 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 kid, Kelly Kelly was. Um, you know, I grew up playing against Kelly Corpse my entire like um, minor league, and he was the best player in Ontario. He wow. was that kid. He was the kid that was completely off the chart from the time he was a young kid. He was unstoppable. Um, then, you know, Kelly and I uh, were on the same team in Kingston, and he was by far our best player. I mean, he was by far our best player. Like you said, he had 120, 25, 130 points a year, uh, two points a game. He was unstoppable. He ended up getting drafted second round to the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. So he, he, uh, I was drafted in the third round and we had a goaltender that was drafted in the fourth round. So Montreal came and watched 30 out of the 33 home games we had that year in Kingston. Kelly corpse was drafted in the second round. I was drafted in the third and Mark Lamont was drafted in, in the fourth. And Kelly was incredible. He just, you know, again, you, you know how hard it is. Once you, once we all funnel to the top, which is basically going to an NHL training camp, you're getting the best, most elite players from every country in the world. Yeah. You know, you're getting the top guys from Sweden, Finland, Russia, you name it. So, um, just becomes really hard to get your foot in the door. Yeah. And I, I hate to ask that question. Cause I don't know. I didn't, uh, you know, that question being like, geez, what happened to Kelly Corpse? I, I don't mean it like that, but he was sensational and for those out there, you just hit the nail on the head, man. Once you get there, it's hard to stand out. And for, for me, it was even major junior, even my first games, junior A. It was all about, like, I got to get comfortable and then, like, easing in and, oh, okay, now I can kind of do it. Kelly, I remember right off the bat, boom, hat trick, first X. I'll never forget it. He played on my team. I said, who's that? They said, Kelly Corpse. And then I never saw him again. Uh, anyway, I know, he's, now I know he scored. I, I saw he went down. He had some great years in the minors. And who knows, yeah. lots of guys go down there, and it's not all about games played in the NHL, I guess, right? Um, yeah. So you go Kingston three years. Um, Montreal, they draft you. Were, were they in big – like I know people that might be listening now that are prospects or, or know some or are involved, there's a lot of communication. How After Montreal drafted you, how often did they communicate with you? There wasn't as much social media, although email was coming in. How was that experience for you? 
Well, when I when I uh, when I got drafted, so I was ranked to go in the third round that year. My agent, before I went to the draft, told me and said, you will not go in the third round. You need to look that you're going to go in the sixth, maybe even the seventh round. And I was like, why? What, what, I don't understand that. I'm ranked in the third round. And he said, this year is called the European Invasion. In 1992 NHL draft, there was more European hockey players drafted in the first, second, and third, and fourth round than any draft before all those years. So he said, there's going to be a massive influx of European hockey players. So you have to knock yourself from, from the third round, knock yourself down to the, the sixth round. So when I got drafted, I did not talk to Montreal Canadiens. I did not do an interview with them. I did an interview with 10, you know, 10, 12 teams um, that were, that sounded really interested. And uh, they kind of told me, you know, look to be around the fifth round, the sixth round. I did not talk to Montreal. So my brother and my parents are at the draft. I was sitting beside my brother. We had our coats off. We were there because we, we were, we were not even close to being drafted. We're, you know, we're thinking another two, three hours have to go by. And all of a sudden I have my mom beside me, my brother and my dad's on the other side of him. My dad's doing all his homework on all these players and this and that. So all of a sudden I, I hear my name uh, from the Kingston front next of the OHL they saw, and my brother and I perk up kind of like Kingston, holy jumping is who's going from Kingston. And they say from North Bay, Ontario, Craig Reve. And my, our draft was in Montreal. Oh, the, the crowd, because I had a French last name mm. started cheering. Oh. <laughs> and it was amazing. My brother and I jump up, we're hugging, we're jumping up and down. I turn to my mom. I give her a hug. She's like, oh, congratulations. This is great. Oh, thank you. I turn to my dad. I give my dad a hug. And he goes, where'd you go? He goes, I said, I went to Montreal. He goes, ah, shit. <laughs> dad? Yeah, I know. Dad had done the homework. Yeah. Every team in the league. I was going to say, I remember he was a smart hockey man. I remember that. I remember talking to him outside the room going, holy shit, like he knows my stats better than I do. He knew everybody coming up. He was a great guy to talk to hockey-wise. Keep going. Yeah, and, and, and it was just, you know, my dad gave me the old shit because he, had, he knows that Montreal was stacked with, with defensemen, um, you know, really young defensemen. So anyway, I just kind of looked at him. I'm like, I don't really care. You know, like I just go down there and I'm shaking all of the hands at the table at, with Montreal and they're all speaking French to me. <laughs> and I finally went to the public <laughs> relations guy and I was so nervous. I basically said to him, you know that I don't speak French, right? And he's like, he just smiled and laughed. He goes, yeah, everybody knows that. We did our homework. Oh, that was great. Um, so, you know, what's funny. Same thing. So I had a bunch of teams interview me and Montreal weren't one of them. And we, we were sitting there in the stands and I thought, you know, there's no way I, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was thinking beyond, I was looking down the list, see who, who else was coming up that I had good relations with anyway. And they, and, and Doug Robinson actually in the elevator 
told me I had a good Memorial Cup. So my dad's like, he thinks you're Shane Doan. I was like, oh, thanks, buddy. Anyway, <laughs> it was um, so odd. And when so when that ha- finally happened and we went back and met everybody, I didn't speak French. I could take I, I knew how to read a little bit of it. I took it in school. But my dad is a French teacher and he played pro. Oh, so, wow. yeah. So he took it over. Have you ever seen What About Bob, where they put him in the insane asylum? And then when they come back, he's like entertaining everybody. They're all sitting around and he's like telling stories. And he's that's what was happening. I was shunned out of the room. He took the spotlight. It was I mean, it was great for him, but it was really funny for anybody that knows my dad. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So you go there. So I was I was behind that. So you went I, I, I went in 95. So my first experience with Freddie. So I come in and I get called up in the playoffs. Like, I know you might remember seeing me in passing because it's the same thing with guys after me, like Ribeiro and them. I don't really remember when they came into the A, but I'll tell you how when I got there. My team was out in Tri-Cities, so I got sent right there. We were there, and there was a guy I played with the year before, Tony Perpick. We had all these different characters, right? Serge Robert, Mario Robert. So it was like a Jerry Fleming, you know. Um, so and the, the guy, you know, Wayne Gamble and Ryan and all those guys, and, and they, they would support us. So I was coming in to meet them. And we had on the, the Aiken Center. There was like a we had hot dogs out back and whatever. It, it reminded me kind of of Junior. I was expecting a little bit more, but I but I liked that part about Freddie. And they were all saying like Freddie Beach and we're playing against St. John. And I went I went to watch the game and Dwayne Rollison stood on his head. We were in the playoffs. So I've never seen any goalie put on a, a performance like that. It was no surprise that he became a star that he did. But I mean, I think it was late. Yeah. I think it was like 27. But anyway, yeah. I get dressed for game two. We're in St. John. We lost the first one. And Paulin just looks at me and, and he, and he Paulin Bordelon, he's like, do you play center at all? I'm like, you know, I, I have, I can winger mostly, but whatever. So anyway, I sit there, I go, I don't know what he's getting to. And do you know who I played with my first shift in the AHL? Serge Roberge on my right and Mario on my left. And two seconds in, she went up. <laughs> that was back in the day. You mentioned the division. Well, Belak and Simpson were on the ice. So I, yeah. I, I don't I, I can't remember. Um, Rocky Thompson was called up. It was just and guys like Serge Roberge. There's guys they say you don't see anymore. No, look, you're going to see fighting. I don't know when it's going to stop. Everybody says every year it's the last of it. But look, last night, they're still fighting an exhibition. I'm not saying where you are on that. I'm just saying that at that time, there were people, though. There were fighters. What has gone is guys like Serge Robert. Can you remember that guy in the room? (laughs) I I so I played with all of these guys. Like my team. Right. I I was just meeting them. (laughs) My team in the minors when I came in. (laughs) could be could be legendary i mean we had back then you were only allowed to dress 10 10 forwards and six defense we had brad brown we had dion darling we had um serge roberge mario roberge jerry fleming chris murray yes um even perfect perfect thought he was a big guy um and we're forgetting guys. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't yeah, I, like I mean, the, the the whole entire league back then had, oh. you know, they had seven or eight heavyweights. Yeah. Like I mean, and Jerry if, Fleming, we didn't say he's six foot seven. <laughs> six foot six. 
I remember my, my very first year when I showed up to training camp, I was 18, 18 years old. So it was my first training camp in Montreal. And we had to do all our fitness testing and we had to do our physicals at the Montreal general or, or like the Laval, um, uh, Laval general. So I remember us being like a herd of cattle all lined up down this hallway, this really long hallway waiting to get your, your height and weight. And then you have your ECG and then you have your physical with the doctor and you just keep moving station to station. Then you're into your fitness testing and you have to do everything. I'm sitting there walking down the hall and I'm thinking to myself the entire time, I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. And the reason why I wanted to go home is because behind me was Donald Brashear. Oh, oh I forgot he was, him. He was six foot three. He was 230 pounds. Yeah. He's behind me. And I, and I can't see around him. So I'm just looking back over my shoulder. And this guy is absolutely got bowling balls for shoulders. His arms are bigger <laughs> than my thighs. And uh. in front of me, was a guy named Jerry Fleming. Oh. Jerry Fleming at the time was six, six foot six. And, he, and, and here's the thing. We ended up getting up to the scale. So they asked Jerry, they said, okay, come on and step on the scale. He steps on the scale, 282 pounds. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. He That's had... A big big man he had muscle coming out of his traps i couldn't see around this guy he was the biggest guy he weighed 282 and i weighed 172 <laughs> and you're and and you're 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 a d who plays tough like you're if you're in front you're gonna have to hit him like you're, you're gonna have oh, to take him no, out no, no. wrong 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 totally wrong i was not a d that played tough no come on i was man. an I was an offensive defenseman out of the Ontario Hockey League. I wow. had 19 goals. I had 19 goals one year and 74 points. I was a power play specialist. I wasn't a fighter. Well, I, I knew fight. you could score, but I, I thought, no, I, I just thought that followed you all around. Like when I came into your life, if, would you, if you will, you know, you, you were, you don't mess with you. You drop your gloves, you'd slash in front of the net. You weren't easy to play in front of the net. Take your like yeah. three seconds, leave, come back. So <laughs> that wasn't part of your makeup then. No, not at all. I was, oh. I was small. I was, a, I was a skilled defenseman. I was a power play guy. I put up points. In, in my second year in the OHL, I scored more goals than any defenseman in the league that year. Um, I was an offensive guy. And when I got drafted, I was drafted as an offensive guy. But when I showed up and Jerry Fleming stepped on the scale oh, at six boy. foot six, 282 pounds, and then I stepped on the scale, I was six foot two. 172. I was thinking to myself, I want to go home. Oh man. This is not right. I'm only looking at the two guys, one in front and one in back. And they, it, I was just like, I am totally out of my element. And then, um, and then, and then wait though, wait, wait. And then you must've played. Cause that was a shit show. Those exhibition games back then, even inter-squad imagine that it was inter-squad and mitts were off. Any exhibition game got over, but not overruled, but it, it overshadowed any scoring got overshadowed by the brawls, the endless fights. 
How many yeah. fights in exhibition back then? Oh, fuck, man. And you had to fight. I, the- got, I got in a fight my very first shift. Yeah, there you, you go. Remember, do you remember them bringing in the two teams before the game? You would have, uh, you know, a couple of the coaches, assistant coaches, basically say yeah. to you, we, we know who the tough guys are. We know who the scorers are. We want you guys to go and play. No fighting. Yeah, I do. And I everybody's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no fighting. Absolutely. This is, like I mean, ni- this is 1993 hmm. or 1992. I get everybody's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. We start the game. I fight some tough guy who runs me from the Quebec Major Junior. And they would they would invite fifteen of those guys to camp just to keep one, and they'd all fight. Absolutely, they're, they're, I mean, these guys couldn't skate. They were not good hockey players. They brought them to camp, and they just wanted to kind of see what what these guys could do. And the problem is, those guys that came to camp had a chip on their shoulder, and they knew the only way of them making it is to be the tough guy. So you had to deal and navigate through all of that. And it was really tough. Like, I mean, there was those exhibition games playing against the other teams. Do you remember where where we used to go to a tournament? Yeah. And there would be like four or five teams that show up and you would just play all of them. Yeah. That's more even that that's that was even more. um, There was a five on five brawl at the end of the game. If you had three players on the bench. Yeah. then you did a great job. And without exception, and not only this, not only this, what I do remember, I remember I, I fought Sean Thornton, then I fought DJ Smith, and I'm like, geez, so there's one of these games that was north. We went up to like Timmins and New Liskert and somewhere else on these, like, yeah, and you were and the, the rinks were smaller. It was like day games, and you're like, Jesus, like going out there, and, and they'd always have like Bird Dog, and we'd have like Jerry dressed. It was, it was all, always like some tough guys in the lineup. But I remember I had two and I'm like, I, I want out of here. So I got in the third fight. I can't remember who it was against. And I remember the ref taking me to the box and going, no, like I'm thrown out. And he's like, no, there's no rules here, son. And I was like, oh, yeah, like you can get in four fights in a game. It doesn't matter. Oh, boy. And then I was like, oh, there's no, and there's no suspensions. Guys like Bird Dog were whacking you over the ankles. There's no penalty. It doesn't matter. There's no repercussions. And they were just and for guys like I remember looking next to me, guys like Matt Higgins and. I'm like, how is Higgy supposed like not, not that he's not tough, but, you know, they're trying to see the skill and the two way play. And I'm like, here we are in this little sardine can. He's going to get killed. Yep. Like, he's not going to be able to show off his skills. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the whole thing. Like, I remember those guys like uh, Higgins, uh, you know, he was a first round draft pick, the Montreal Canadiens. He was a small, skinny kid, skated yeah. really well, beautiful skills. In today's game, he would he would be absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But back then, that wasn't hockey. Mm-hmm. That was throwing into the Thunderdome. <laughs> it was. And, if, and if you couldn't, I don't care how skilled you were, if you can't protect yourself and at least act like you're going to stick up for yourself, then you, you won't survive. It's just a completely different game. And the game's changed. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a much better game today than it's ever been. But I still, I still like the physicality in the game. And um, it's slowly coming out. But uh, there's a happy medium, I think, right? There's a happy medium. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's, there's no surprise to me. I often say to people, I'm like, you know, it's not that you could never be small or, or you know, have, have spunk and, and have skill, but guys like Darcy Tucker were likely to come out more so than, 
no offense to Higgy or anything at the take again, because yeah. the game has changed. I hate putting any of my friends down, but it's no surprise. Tucker came out of that, right? Like he's a little junkyard dog and he, yeah. you know, he, he had big balls on him, and, and, and he was a player too. Like he came out of, he came out of the Western hockey league, Cam loops blazers, yeah. won two Memorial cups had 160 points a year. And then He's like 145 pounds playing in the American Hockey League. Yeah. And he ended up with 32 goals and yeah. 90 points. That he, I remember that. You took the words. I'm not looking at the stats either. He had 92 or 93 points rookie of the year. Yeah. And I'm like, no surprise. Because we were all wondering. He and played uh, in my division in junior, right? Go like, look so- up right now. I bet you had 150, 60 penalty minutes due to go with those 32 goals and 90 oh, yeah. some points. Um, and – yeah, that, and that's the thing. Tux wasn't he, he wasn't putting on a show either. Like he'd do whatever. He'd eat the boards. That's why all those guys they were in our division in junior, right? Um, it was Chris Murray played on that team, and 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 Tyson Nash. We never they won three Memorial Cups in five years. So I often yeah. say, like you know, if people go, "Oh man, you ran into Kamloops every year," I'm like, "Yeah, but we also played them a lot, and there was scout, most scouts were there to see them." So I had a good yeah. relationship with scouts and, 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 you know, we knew we were going to maximize our potential because everybody is seeing us play. Um, you know, the funny thing, uh, TR. Yeah. 143 you minutes. Ask, you're right. 143 minutes. So, you know, you ask yourself, you know, what, what do you have to do to make it? Okay. I was a third round draft pick. I was considered an offensive defenseman, a point producer, and after my first year in the, in, in the American Hockey League, so I'm 20 years old, I had my end-of-the-year meetings, okay? So I come into the room, I sit down, I have uh, Pauline Bordelow, our coach at the time, who I absolutely loved, and uh, Andre Boudreau was the assistant GM, and they sat me down, and uh, at the end of that year, 78 games, I had 32 points as a rookie, and 126 penalty minutes. Yeah, man. So pretty good. 32 points yeah. in 78 games is in my first year in the league as a pro. Solid. So they sit me down and they say, we have two things for you. I said, okay, great. They said, number one, we want you to take boxing lessons this summer. Oh, yeah. I remember you told me this. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I looked at him and I was like, okay. Oh, Okay. Yep. I can do that. Absolutely. I'm going to, absolutely. I'll take boxing lessons. I said, what's, what's the other one? They said, we want you to have minimum 200 penalty minutes next year. (laughs) They put a number on it. (laughs) I've never had more than 126 that I just had that year. Yeah. I mean, I've never been a big uh, penalty minute guy. You know, I'm, I stick up for myself, but I was never involved like with the you're good like, fighting. You're and- smart with your stick. If you want to know what I thought you you were real tough as anybody, but you weren't taking stupid penalties. You were if you were going to the box, there was a reason someone had either feel yeah. the goalie got hit, whatever it was. But you were smart going around. You didn't take many tripping or none of that shit. Yeah. <clears throat> So at that time, I, I, I went home to my hometown, North Bay, Ontario. I sat down with my dad, and I just basically told him what they said. I said, Dad, you know, I need, I need, they want me to take boxing lessons. And I said, they want me to have 200 penalty minutes. And, and for the first time in my entire life, 
I was not considered the offensive defenseman. I was not considered the power play guy. I was not considered the guy who ran the offense from the back end. I was now in a, in a, in a transition. I was in a crossroads. I could be the guy that says, no, 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 I'm not doing that. I'm an offensive guy. I want to do this. Or I can say, this is what they need in the organization. And I have to do that to have a chance. So I decided I got to change my game, got to play a different style. Um, and that year, that, that next year in 49 games, I had 190 penalty minutes. I was on pace for 300. Um, and I got called up, uh, you know, for, you know, 19 games that year. And I think they liked what they saw. And it, I got my foot in the door. Riv, you know, that's, that's, an, that's a moment. People tend to have those in their lives. You got to look in the mirror, man. You either step up or you don't. I love the decision that you made. Uh, I don't know, again, and that's an old school reaction. I don't know, but today, if you call your agent, you go on Twitter, you complain, and it gets blown out of proportion, you know, but yeah. it, 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 I, I totally respect where you're coming from. I didn't realize that. I, I remember you telling me about the boxing lessons, and it was almost like a funny thing. But um, you responded and came back with 189 minutes, changed your game, and uh, you fought tooth and nail, and you get there. So, so when you finally get there, you, you're, you're solid. Good group you came up with, too, I remember. And I, I, I've got to ask you this now because I'll, I, I don't want to run out of time, and I only got about 20 minutes. Um, so you get up, and I, I know a, a lot of you guys, and, you know, without getting into my thing, um, I had my thing going on. I ended up getting injured, but I, I saw a lot. of. And in 1996, 97, I was there. I only played three games, but I was there all year with you guys because I think the plan, if I could have gone to the A, I would have. But yeah, they just wanted me. You're too practice. young. You were you were 19 yeah. that year. I, think. I was 19. So they said, you know, if, if and any, that's unheard of. That's unheard of back then. Back then it yeah, was. Been, you. It, it was almost like when. So you got drafted, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I think you had like 50 goals that year and like 100 and 100 points. Yeah, 50? 50 and 110. Yeah, 110 points. Okay, 110, not a big deal. Um, but you shredded the Western League. You were super tough. You fought all the toughest guys. You knew how to score goals. You played that, you played that game that every single team in the National Hockey League wanted. But you just kind of quite – you weren't quite there at the NHL level. But I, I think you were kind of too good for the – uh, the the Western Hockey League, so you were kind of in limbo. And our team was in last and, place in the West, so they were like, "Do we send them back?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, now in hindsight, it would probably have been way better for you to go back and play and gain more minutes and do all the things you need to do in junior instead of like hanging out and practicing with the <laughs> Montreal Canadiens. Like, yeah. and I think if you remember back, I think that they actually thought that that was the best way to develop Terry Ryan, our eighth overall pick is to have him around the Montreal Canadian team and practice and work out. But at the, at the end of the day, it's not about just practicing and being in, around the environment. You got to play, you got to yeah. gain confidence. You need to continue to, to mature as a player. So, you know, and Riv, you know, it's funny. Th thanks for bringing that up. So I, I was there and I did because no matter what you do start. And, you know, I had a, I had a few games where, 
I, I sat on the, you know, I was the grocery stick. I didn't get out there, which, which is fine. But it does start, even though I know that going in, it plays on your mind a little bit. But I went back to junior, you know, and I, I went back in, I went back February, like the last possible minute I went back to Red Deer. And I ended up, I, I set the record for three rounds of playoffs. I had 18 goals, never gotten one fight, nothing. We had a real tough team. They didn't want me to do that. So Reggie waited till the last minute. So I, I had that good relationship. My thing, and without getting into it, because I totally forgive the guy. It's years later. He was a rookie coach. I didn't really like tarrying that much down there, to, to put it mildly. And when he would do things like smoke on the bus, I just thought it was horse shit. I didn't want to rat the guy out every day. Hey, Reggie. So I just kind of wanted out of there and then I hurt myself. But, you know, so it kind of was over before it started. But I'm glad I got games. But what I am going to say is that in that time there, and thanks for recognizing that, in that short time there, and I, you know, I, I really enjoyed my time in Fredericton and Montreal. Otherwise, it was really I had a problem with one. And I chose not to go back to camp. Then that's when I hurt myself. It's, I, I could have just gone back as you do. Right. And, yeah. you know, gotten at least, you know, Higgy got his 50 games that year or whatever. I figure... I was kind of pissed at the time. I figured you give her first rounder a hundred games to fail. And I, I, I just thought that. And then what it was Terry and I wanted out, but anyway, anyway, point being some guys there, I made real good friends with and the guys like you would talk to once in a while. I talked to talks once every month or so. Some guys closer than others. Aaron Ashton was one of my best friends, but you know, who was real good to me and you went on and have a great relationship, Saku. Um, and, you know, during all that time that you guys and ended up being leaders on the Montreal Canadians, um, you know, he, he really, because again, my, my, my time spent with you guys, you were both real young green rookies, right. And, and you were just coming into your own. Then you become leaders. A, he gets cancer. So I, I'm, I'm guessing you, you dealt with that with him as one of the leaders yeah. on the Montreal Canadian, unless you guys had some feud that I don't know about. Uh, uh, then you go over, you play in Finland and you know, how is that relationship now? And I always felt I moved on. I never asked you that you guys were like brothers, you know, and he's one of my favorite people in hockey. Tell him that, too, that I just don't talk to anymore. But I really he made an impression on me. He was such a nice fella. Yeah, I mean. Saku is a special, special, special person. Mm. Um, he was a great hockey player, you know, back in the day. You know, he was drafted in the first round, 20th overall to the Montreal Canadiens. He was larger than life, you know, when he came over here and he, he exploded right away his career. That's how good he is. He is, a, he is a true leader and he leads by example, not the raw Ross type stuff, but just a professional each and every day. But he was like a little kid. We were like, you know, best buddies there. You know, he was my roommate that I that I stayed with on the road. And, uh, you know, I, I we were just kids. We acted like kids, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, we would get into the we would get into our hotel room. OK, and we always fought. For the bed closest to the drapes, closest to the window. Yeah. And it would, we would get in there and I'm like, listen, I, I was the bigger guy. I was the tougher guy. And it's just, this is the way it's going to be. He knew where his bed was and I knew where my bed was, but there's always a certain trip where he's a feisty guy. He's a feisty guy. He wants to fight all the time. Right. Well, I ended up fighting him in the room one time and got him in a headlock. No joke. Like, I mean, a death lock. And we fell 
because we're fighting all over the room. Things knocking <laughs> over. This. I got him in a headlock and we fell between the wall and the bed. So there's only about a foot between the wall and the bed. Well, we fell between that. And I got him in a headlock and I said, I am not letting you out until you say it's my bed. This is how immature we were. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 45 minutes later, we're still in our suits. Oh, this is great. I've got, I've got him in a headlock, sweating all over ourselves. 45 <laughs> minutes he wouldn't give. <laughs> That's it's just great. Oh, do you guys still talk? <laughs> I can tell you, an, I can tell you an unbelievable story about Saku and I on the road. Yeah, I'm, I'm laughing Saku so much because I can picture it. I know exactly what you guys were like. Keep going. I want you guys to think about this. So Saku and I were in the second round of the playoffs, playing against the Carolina Hurricanes. So if you remember the rooms that in Carolina. You walked into the room and you had a common area that had a couch and stuff. Mm. Then there was a hallway that you walked to, to get into the, the bedroom at the back. Mm. And in, in the middle of that hallway was a bathroom. So we had our thing. Zaku undressed with his suit and everything in the fire room. I undressed right out of my suit in the bedroom. So this is after our pregame meal at, at lunchtime. Okay. After our morning skate, because we played that night, I think it was game three yeah. in, in the second round of playoffs. So I'm sitting there naked in the, in the bedroom. He's sitting there naked in the far room. We're looking at each other, talking to each other down the hallway. And we both realize at the same time what we want to do. So we start sprinting down the hallway to get into the bathroom, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a little quicker than I am. As he turned the corner into the to get into the bathroom first, so he can do his business first, I blow him up. Greatest body check of all time, and blast him into the back of the toilet bowl. <laughs> the toilet bowl explodes. Water starts shooting to the ceiling, and come on, go to the toilet. <laughs> Swear to God, and we are now. We're now like, oh my God, we completely obliterated this porcelain bowl. So Saku is walking out. There's water pouring out of the bathroom. So now we're like, we've got to phone the trainer. We phone Graham Reinben. Yeah. And Saku looks at me and goes, Riffs, phone Reinben. I'm like, you phone Reinben. So we're arguing about who's going to phone the trainer to clean this mess up, right? So Saku goes down the hallway, starts to walk around the corner. There's so much blood, you can't even see his ass. Oh, no. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, oh, my God, Zach, Zach, Zach. You're cut. You're cut. So he turn, he wipes his hand, and his hand is full of blood. So now we, I get a white towel, and I wipe his back to get rid of the blood so I can see where the cut is. And there's a, boat, a two-inch cut. That looks like a massive eyeball. You can see the flesh, the whole shoot. Oh, magic. boy. Gonna need I'm like, zippers. oh, my God. Oh, my God. What did we do? So we phone Ryan Ben, the trainer. The trainer comes upstairs. Our, 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 almost our whole room is filled with water. Jesus. 
he comes in and Ryan Ben turns off the water for us, which, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do that on a good day, you know? So he comes in, stops the water and now is looking at Saku's back and he's like, Oh my God, guys, what did you do? We're like, well, Saku went in to go to the bathroom, but he slipped oh, going into the toilet. Slipped. Yeah. We, yeah. What, was he skating. <laughs> yeah. And, and the trainer looks at both of us and goes, yeah, right. So now I have to, I have to pack up all Saku's stuff because he's got to go to the hospital. He goes to the hospital and I take all of, I have to go to another room because our room's flooded. Holy fuck. I have to go stay in another room. I don't sleep the whole time because I'm like, oh my God, what did we do? We go down to the bus at five o'clock to get the whole team has to go together. That was mandatory. The coach yells, where's Saku? And I'm like, he'll meet us there. (laughs) He's like, he's supposed to be on the bus. I'm like, yeah, he had to go early. (laughs) So we get to the rink. I, I go in and I look at Saku. He's sitting on the medical table. All the other players go into the far room to get undressed into their underwear and stuff to get ready. And I come in and I look at Saku. I'm like, Saku, are you okay? He goes, I literally cannot touch my toes. He goes, it's killing. He goes, he goes, he had to take some, some uh, painkillers that night to get through the game. Yeah. But he missed, he missed the next couple of days. Um, wow. And yeah. And that was the reason why, because I blew And we ended up losing that series to Carolina. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, fuck. That's one of the best stories that I didn't know already that I've, uh, I've I think I'm I've gonna get heard. I knew you get in trouble for that one, but uh, yeah. Anyway, oh, I blew up our, I blew the captain of the Montreal Canadiens into a toilet fighting for the, uh, for uh, for the toilet, you know? like like thirteen I mean, year olds or like seven year olds. Um, oh, but I love that fuck. That doesn't surprise me though. God damn it, that's funny thinking about it. I know you guys. Um, remember we used to go. Okay, where the hell was it? Game game days in Montreal. We often went to this place on Saint Catherine Street. It was an old school place. It wasn't like really fancy. I can't remember the name of it. We used to get, and there was these deep fried something with meatballs. Maybe it was. It was a Giovanni's or, or um, Giorgio's. Was there Da Vinci's? Da Vinci's was after games. I remember going there a lot. Yeah, Giorgio's or something. Breezer used to. It was really early on, and then we stopped going there. And I can't find it. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Anyway, God, it was that. It was like almost, almost like it was real quick. Almost like takeout. You go in and order it. Like a very, very small place. Very small place. Yes, I know exactly. It was not on St. Catharines. It was off one of those streets. It was, uh, yeah, one of those little ones down towards the forum yeah. area. Yeah. Anyway, yes. I thought maybe you'd. It was actually. Like, no it was actually it. closer to Chez Pere. <laughs> yeah. True. You're right. It was, <laughs> uh, which was right there as well. I assume that's still a thing. Um, and okay, so one more thing before uh, I got a few quick questions, rapid fire, randoms coming after this and then we're done in 10 minutes but so this is another thing about my first time in freddie so i just told you that so we're back so between the between the time that i said i met everybody and we had like your hot dogs and everything out on back of the rink and the game that i played maybe four or five days later 
in the middle of all that series with Rollison stood on his head and everything right towards the beginning of all that. I think it might've been like the day I got there. We went to play paintball. You mentioned Mark Lamoth and someone I was in on it. Someone was like, remember we went and went and someone played a joke on him and a real cop came like Wayne Gamble's friend, who was like a real cop came or something like that. And, and told him that he was actually arrested Listen, because he was in a real, he was, I was one of the, I was one of the guys that got arrested. No, were you? Okay. What happened? I came in and someone's like, and he came over to me asking and people were like, no, no, no. Just tell him it's just act cool. Mark, and I was like, Mark so I felt bad. And then he man. punched the wall. Right? He was my roommate. <laughs> he was my roommate. And I was one of the guys that got arrested with him. Oh my God. Okay. So he ends up punching the wall for those that don't know. Yeah. And he missed, he missed, I think the playoffs. I think he missed it. Like he, I think he broke his hand, but anyway, oh, yeah. what happened was how did it all happen? So we set so up a paintball game for team we were, building. It was it was it was a team bonding thing that all of the rookies on the team did not know about. Mm. So we were told that it was like a tradition that we would go sniper hunting up in the bush, and so you know you got to you got to bear with me on this. Like when you're when you have sense. And you're not, you know, 20 years old that you're a complete meatball. Yeah. We were told that we were going to go sniper hunting. And I said, what the hell's a sniper? Well, it's a bird th that they come out at night. And I was like, perfect. So we're all making these clubs with hockey sticks and stuff like that and getting them all ready. And we take about eight cars up right into the bush. Okay. okay. So now all of a sudden we have. We have four or uh, four or five uh, teams, uh, or maybe six teams, and uh, I was with five rookies and one veteran. Okay, the veteran was uh, um, uh, Eve Siro. Yeah, I remember that guy. So we go out into the bush, and we're looking around, like, "Hey, hold on, hold on, can you hear it?" Oh yeah, it's over here. So we're looking for these birds that we don't even know what a sniper is. Yeah. And all of a sudden, these cop cars come pulling in with the lights on, everything, and they have the microphones, and they're saying, "You're you're trespassing. Come out with your hands up." You have Donald Brashear. I see whip across the yard, sprinting back into the bush. I'm like, "Oh my God, what is he doing?" And we all come out. We all come out, all these rookies. Hands up. Hands up. We get handcuffed. We get thrown in the back of this great big cop cruiser. And we're going, we're going to jail. So we've got five rookies and one one veteran. Veteran is like the actor. Yeah. He's he is he's crying literally crying in the cop car going, our careers are done. Our careers are done. We're, we're, it's over. So now we're all sitting there going, ah, this has got to be a prank or this, there's something going on. But every, every time collectively amongst the young guys that we were thinking that, yes, you know, like this got to be a prank. The veteran would make take us out of that. And like, now all of a sudden we're panicking. Oh, good, good acting. We, we get to the jail. We get thrown in the jail with 
an actual bum that's laying passed out inside the jail cell. Yeah. So we're now in the jail cell and now this, this older veteran player is now pacing. He's got tears in his eyes. He's like, we're done. We were, we're," and now everybody's panicking. All of our guys are panicking. They ask Yves Soro, one cop comes into the jail he goes, which one of you guys want to talk uh, and, and tell your story? And, and, and we're, all, we're all rookies, and we're like, Eve, you got to go. And he's like, oh, okay, okay. So he comes out. He comes out of the, the, the jail cell, comes around the corner behind closed doors, and it's all the boys on the team watching us on video. Oh, Jesus. That's unbelievable. So to make a long story short, we get rallied up back in the cruiser, because they have phoned our coach, Pauline Bordalo. The cops are taking us to the rink and we all get to the rink. So we're all sitting in, inside the, in, in our dressing room and we're being called in player by player. Jesus. Yves Soro goes in first, the veteran. Back out, he's bawling, crying. He's like, I'm, we're done. We're all done. Send home. We're all done. I get called in next. They basically look at me and say, Craig, we're going to have to release you. We talked to the Montreal Canadiens uh, lawyers. We can't get around this. You guys did this this on your own. We're going to have to release you. Go pack your stuff. So I walk out. I'm like, just, I'm like distraught. I'm sitting in my stall. I got my head down. Yves Soro still crying. The next guy comes out. Same thing. We're all packing our stuff. Mark Lamoth comes out, one of the goaltenders. He's told that he's cut from the team. He comes in and punches this massive, thick metal door. <laughs> and his yeah. two knuckles are now four inches back and busts his hand. <laughs> I remember that. And man. he's the last guy. He's the last guy that was spoken to. So all the guys that were told that we're going home are in the dressing room. We're all have our head down. Oh, we're all like, fuck. and the, the team jumps out of the showers and goes, ha, you know, initiation, you know, like this and that it's all, it's all a prank and we're all hugging each other and we're all like laughing and stuff, but we're all looking at Mark Lamont who ended up busting his hand because he got so upset. Man, yeah, I didn't. So, a legendary prank gone bad. Yeah, legendary prank, and I'm, I'm glad you told me. I never really did know this story. For some reason, I flew in. I was there that uh, the day before, and I knew there was something going on. And Jerry mentioned something, but he goes, "You're." I wasn't even really supposed to know, but I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, or or right when yeah. depending on which way you look at it. And they were just yeah. like, "Shut up! Don't say anything." I was like, okay. And then I was like, so how did it go? And there, I was like, what? Mark Lamoth is like the starting goalie. It just sounded crazy from the beginning. <laughs> he fucking yeah. broke his hand. He some... was my roommate too. Dude, that's fucking crazy. It was such, how did he, it was how did he a... feel after all that? Like a complete idiot. <laughs> Jesus. But I mean, Oh, Christ. I mean, that's a great goes, story. Goes, I'm glad I, it worked out. He, goes, he had I a good career. My career was done. I, got, I thought my career was done. Could he have been home. He's like, I got so upset that I punched the door. And I'm, I'm like, well, I mean, why would that be a good idea to punch a metal door that's uh, two inches thick? Anyway, yeah, <laughs> not a great, not a great idea, but 
and a, and a legendary uh, prank. But yeah, I mean, I can kind of not a great idea, but I, I can see other people doing it. It doesn't quite. Surprise. I think. That, and the funny thing is, I think they did that prank for years. But I think our year was last year. <laughs> I bet it was. I bet it was. Someone gets fired if you do it again. Um, and before we get to the rapid fire randoms, you know what else that I remember? I, some, what was our assistant coach, Luke? Remember him and Paul and like played the odd game and like got points. What, when does that ever happen? In like, how good was Paul and Bortolo? Yeah, that's what how I mean. Can you he... remember that? I'm not, I didn't look that up either. It just popped into my head. I'm sure I can look down, but he played at least one game and uh, maybe more and like had, a, had an assist or two. He used to come out in Absolutely. practice sometimes and be one of the best players out there. Can you remember that? Oh, yeah, of course you can. Do you not remember? He put himself in the first power play. I didn't realize he like, that. I, I, he was I, like 50. He was like 50 years old at the time, and he put himself in the first power play because we had so many injuries and suspensions that Montreal Canadiens couldn't send us down somebody. We didn't really have the affiliate or the opportunity to bring someone up from the East Coast Hockey League. So we were running like eight forwards and like 5D at the time. So our two coaches yeah. did the Reggie Dunlop. Reggie they Dunlop. Did. They played. They were player coach on the bench. He's he's getting off a shift like, <sighs> the next guy's up or so-so, and so, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was like, is this normal? It wasn't normal. We were the only team doing it. But uh, hats off to them. Jesus, looking back. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know Paul in real well, but he seemed like a decent guy. And I remember being blown away by Sebastian, some of the moves he had, his son. Um, That's right, yeah. Uh, okay, just a few more uh, rapid-fire randoms. I got to get going anyway, and so do you. Are you cool with that? Yeah, absolutely. Here we go. You're on death row. What's your last meal? Uh, I'm going to do... Um... Steak and lobster. Good choice. You have, you have to be a movie character on Sundays. Who would it be? Any movie character, but every Sunday the rest of your life, you got to be that guy or girl. Movie character. I'm going to go. Um, I uh, draw a blank here. Uh, Adam Sandler. In which movie? Happy Gilmore? I mean... Yeah, absolutely. Let's go with that. I just assumed. I just assumed. Uh, but he's got a lot, of course. Uh, no numbers. Say in hockey, you're going back to your playing days. Somehow, we hypothetically, we have a time machine. Except now, it's three letters on your back, not a number. What would those three letters be? So instead of number 52, you're like, could spell something. You want to be a cop your whole life? C-O-P. If you think you're a pig, P-I-G, or it could just be like T-T-T. You know, for some reason, you, you got an initial that you want to put on there. But what would the three? Know, that, yeah. I'm going to go with something really boring and just go ABC. ABC, why not? Uh, it's, it's, it, 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 it's catchy off the That's tongue. That's the most ridiculous answer ever, but oh, my God. the name God. of a song. Well, it's quick, too. I mean, so. I mean, there you go. It's not like you got, it's not like you got to write a thesis on these. Uh you got to change your name to one of these things, okay? Slick Simon. So it's going to be Slick Simon Rive. Rive. Rive, right over Rive. You call me whatever you want, man. 
So it's I played in Montreal. They butchered the name for years. For years. Slick Simon Reve, DJ Jim Bob, just straight DJ Jim Bob. North, just the letters N-O-R-F. Table, just like table. Or Huckleberry Fun. So you're either Slick Simon Reve, DJ Jim Bob, North, Table, or Huckleberry Fun for the rest I'm of your going- life. I'm going to it's DJ Jim Bob. That's yeah, that's uh, that's pretty easy. Of those options, I think DJ Jim Bob would uh, spice up your life a little bit, too. Um, What's your favorite place to eat in North Bay? Or even as growing up as a kid, if you don't get back there much. Uh, Listen, I mean, uh, this may sound corny, but the best place to eat at my place in North Bay is my house. Because I love to cook. I love uh, getting out on the barbecue and just, uh, you know, either roasting something, uh, doing steaks, doing the beer butt chicken. You know, it's constant. I like doing, you know, like different type of bacon wrap, you know, scallops and all that kind of. So, yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, I so, do my best. Me- my come best on over to my place. We'll, we'll do some we'll do some good grub for sure. My best memories of uh, 96, 97 when I was with you guys for most of the year was uh, going on the road. Um, you know, a lot of teams have them in the A, you know, when you'd have beers, it's often going to the club. But we'd go and have like meals that were drawn out over like five hours and have some beers. I, those are great memories. <laughs> and you were that guy, too. You'd get like couple, six appetizers. A couple and, bottles of wine. Yeah, a couple of bottles of wine. It was a good time. Um, so. You've got to pick one of these. One of these names is, is going to be your album. OK, you got a you got a debut album. You're a music artist and you got to sh- show it to the world. Here's it's your debut album. Is it DJ Randy Riv brings the hits Journeys by Reve, just Reve. You're just one name and it's the album's called Journeys and you're just Reve and the pictures you on the front, just like walking down an empty train track. Uh, or What's Over Yonder by Craigie the Cowboy Kid. I'm going to have to go with that last one. Okay. What's Over Yonder with uh, Craigie the Cowboy Kid. Let's go. Uh, beautiful. What NHL player are you glad you never fought? I mean, all of the guys that I never fought. I mean, I hated fighting to begin with. but well, I know, but like, if there's one player that accidentally it never, you know, everybody's probably, but did was there one person that was like real hard to play against that you're like, fuck, you know, if we ever actually have to go, you know, you know, you know, and this is, I honestly believe that people are probably going to raise their eyebrows on this. They're probably going to say like, Oh my God. Yeah. You know, he didn't say like uh, Stu Grimson, the grim reaper or George LaRock or Derek Bugard or someone like that. You don't want to know the guys that were made me ner- the, the most nervous were guys like Jordan Tutu. Mm. guys that uh uh um do you remember demayo yeah i do um, jeff odgers was like that jeff like the guys that were rob like demayo the middle, yeah. they were like the middleweights like um um th- those guys that were smaller in stature mm. but were probably pound for pound some of the toughest guys in the nhl those Aaron are the Ashen guys one of those. that Aaron Asham, like I played with Ash for years and just, you know, his mentality, if you, if you, if you don't know Aaron, 
then he's extremely dangerous man because yeah. you're going to overestimate him, you know, like, and he absolutely knows how to fight. And, and I mean, he was one of the toughest guys uh, that I played with for sure. Uh, agreed. How many fish burgers have you ever eaten? Fish burgers? Yeah. Could be a flail oh, fish yeah. at McDonald's. Anytime you've had fish mm. on a burger. Not often. That doesn't sound appetizing to me. I don't mind fish by any means, but to have it on a burger, eh. How many triple burgers have you ever had? Like the Wendy's triple sensation or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, that sounds good to me. But how many have you? Uh, yeah. How many, many have you had? Well, uncountable. Come on. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, would you go into space if given how, the opportunity? How many times? How many times after you go out, you play a, a, a nice, uh, an awesome game in Montreal? You go out all night long, and at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Remember, we used to go to Greasy Spoon. Yeah, uh, yeah, I do. Totally, totally. I mean. You're at five o'clock in the morning and you're crushing triple burgers. Just, just all the sauce, all of it. Face. Give me it more. Amazing. Yeah. Ordering Absolutely. bacon and eggs and shit too. Just anything goes any meal lasagna to bacon and eggs to burgers, soup. Yeah. I can't remember the name of that. We, we used to go to one place more than it, more than any other. And I can't remember the name of it. Um, how long did it take you to use a one piece stick that, did they come out right away and you use it or, did it take you like a couple of years? Um, well, I remember the very, do you, do you remember who the very first guy in the national hockey league that used, uh, uh, the synergy Easton uh, stick, the one piece? No, I don't remember the first. Remember who it was? No, I'm pretty sure his name was Matt Sundin. Really? And, and Matt Sundin was the first guy I think in the national hockey league to use a one piece stick. Now back then we all either used wood or you would use the composite um, shaft and you would put in the wood blade. Mm. Um, I used wood. Yeah. I like, I think almost the entire year that year, they wouldn't allow us to use the sticks. They wouldn't allow us to use the one piece sticks because at the time back then they were so expensive that um, they wouldn't allow me to use I was it. Wondering, so I, didn't. I was wondering how that happened. I remember seeing the synergy came in the room. I remember trying it and then I didn't see it again. I don't know, for probably like eight months or so. I thought like right away I'd be able to order one and it wasn't the case. I did not know that, Riv. Yeah, <laughs> they were super expensive back in the day. And uh, they were like, yeah, no, you're not getting one of those. You're not at, at that level. Okay, if you had to be in a cartoon on Thursdays the rest of your life, just you got to be in a cartoon. You 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 got to join that world. Which cartoon would it be? South Park. Fuck. That would be a little bit fun, wouldn't it? Every Thursday, and then coming back yeah, back yeah. on Friday. Thursday's good too. It kind of that late just hanging out with Kenny and Cartman. Yeah, wouldn't be bad. It would be that or the Simpsons for me, I think. Uh, and lastly, what's your favorite player ever in the National Hockey League? Mm. Let's say someone you grew up really enjoying. Yeah. I, well, I'm going to tell you this. I, I, I think when there's one player that I grew up in the same age group, played against them, I, I was completely in awe of this man. I think he was 
arguably one of the greatest players to don skates. It just so happens that he was, uh, his career was cut short uh, and damaged by injuries, by concussions. And that guy is big E, Eric Lindner. Yeah. I think Fuck, he is great literally answer, legendary. People are starting to forget too, because kids that come up now that are adults that just miss that window, they know who he is. But when he, he was coming the in, game. Change the game. Change the game. He was the most decorated first overall pick in the last 50 years. Remember Riv in 1991 when he played in the Canada Cup for Canada and he hadn't played in the NHL yet and he was one of their best players and he was knocking everybody senseless out on the ice with huge body checks and then he'd go end to end. He could do it all. He was one of the... It it was my first NHL game ever. It was against them. It was the... uh, it was at home against Philly, and they had the Legion of Doom. Like it was him, Renberg, and Leclerc, all massive. People go, John Leclerc. Scary. Look at Leclerc's wrist. It was bigger than my leg. Yep. Scary, man. scary man. Okay, listen. I um, him. Uh, I got to get going. I would have got into your broadcasting. I guess what 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 comes in in the future? I know that you're looking to do your own podcast soon. You've got an accomplished yes, we broadcast. Are, yeah, it's going to be coming out soon. It. Um, okay, is there anywhere we can look for that, or should I just tell people to, to, to follow you and Andrew Peters out there, and something's coming soon? Yeah, I would. I would follow um, both of our uh, Twitter accounts. We will be releasing uh, that podcast really soon. Really excited about it, and uh, will be pretty entertaining. Okay, good stuff. So anybody listens to this, I know that you'll uh, you'll really enjoy the boys. They've both been my guests now. You know Rivy, and you definitely know Andrew Peters. Great guys known as the instigators. Uh, stay tuned. And if uh, if those guys are hard to get a hold of, I'm always on social media and everybody there knows that. Just uh, just let me know. Good luck with it, Riv. It was great catching up with you. It was really was a good time. And uh, like I said before we started, I'm coming to uh, Ontario for a few months and I'm really going to try to get down and see you guys. I love the area anyway. Good stuff, TR. Thanks for having me, buddy. Thank you, my friends. We'll catch you on the rebound. See you later. And there you have it, folks. My buddy, Craig Rivet, uh, born leader and uh, some great nuggets. Uh, some two, of, I think, two of the top 10 stories of 2021 for sure that have been on this program uh, with the Sacco in the toilet bowl and definitely that one where Mark Lamoth punched the wall. But I, I couldn't remember why I flew in that day and I, I remember it being a thing. No one wanted to talk about it. Well, now I know why. Um, I got to take off duty calls. I'm on Hudson and Rex today as a stand in, and I only got about 18 minutes to get there, and it's a 15 minute drive. So check out TJ's, check out Greensleeves, Downtown Uptown, check out Wedgwood Cafe, check out Penny Posh, Women's Wear Reimagined. Uh, this has been episode 72 with Craig Rivet. Thank you very much. Everybody, we'll be back in a week with, I'm not sure yet, but. Should be someone interesting. Thanks again. Stay safe. This has been episode 72. Catch you guys next week on The Rebound. 